Hello, everybody. This is the Winning in Winnipeg podcast, where we talk to top performing business owners, executives, entrepreneurs, and local Winnipeg celebrities. We get to learn who they are, how they think, and we get to learn their perspectives about what's really going on in Winnipeg and their businesses. Today, I have Patrick Van Duren. Did I say that right? Very close. Van Dorn. Van, Van Dorn. Yeah. Patrick is a structural engineer and the owner of Kiros Engineering. Patrick graduated in 2015. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. Nope, you're good. Yeah. And has worked for other firms for several years until he opened up his own firm just recently at the start of 2021. Yes, sir. Yes. Yep. Patrick is incredibly detailed yet practical and his combination of building science, social media presence, and his overall high energy has really boosted Patrick into being a much sought after integral part of not only my projects, but so many other builders. Now, I first met Patrick on Instagram, where he was describing some aspect of building science that I was dealing with on another project. And I have been absolutely blown away by, by him ever since. So, Patrick, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. I don't think I deserve all of that. And I don't know where I fit in as far as business owner, executive, or celebrity, but I'll, I'll take celebrity and we'll run with it. Well, I'll, I'll give you whichever one you want. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, but you do own your own business. Yes. You do work uh, not for somebody else. You work for yourself. That depends on whom the client is. But, <laughs> That's but yes. fair. Yes. Yeah, very fair. Um, so the first thing, uh, the way that I met you, uh, your, at, your Instagram is legitimately... As the kids call it, fire. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I love the, the fire emoji <laughs> pops up quite a bit on my phone. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's because you're crazy. That, that is true. Yeah. I said yesterday that I don't take coffee because I just can't handle any, any more energy a little bit. A little bit of post pre-workout once in a while, as long as it's like before noon. But if I take any caffeine afternoon, I'm in trouble. Yeah, yeah I'm, yeah. I'm sitting there twitching at bed at 10 p.m. Yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah. So, um you are, so I think, and, and I'll let you, uh, we'll dive into your social, but not only are you pretty much one of the most consistent people on my feed, but you're also describing really difficult aspects of building and complicated things about building. Um, and you're making it simple, right? You're, you're very good at explaining stuff. How did this come about? Where, where did that, was it, was it an active decision? Has it been a slow progression? Where did your social media presence come from? That's a long story, but we'll, we'll try and summarize it a little bit here. Um, in the, in the building industry right now, specifically, I mean, that's kind of what I'll talk to you in reference to, because that's the industry I'm in. Um, we are way behind times as far as the level of building, the quality that we should have, the, um, even though just the level of understanding and there's a level of, I don't want to point fingers, but a level of ignorance as is bliss kind of thinking in the building industry. So in where my social media came from was an education standpoint. It was specifically, well, I have a business that I want to run a certain way. I have a certain clientele that I want to market to, but I need to grow that market because that market's very, very small in Manitoba. So how do you grow a market or change a market or disrupt a market that is stuck, that has been stuck really since the mid sixties? Well, you educate and you have to do that in a way that's simple and understanding to people because learning is scary to people, especially builders who have been doing things the same way for a long time. Right. You have to, it's like a slow molding process where you have to take something that has been the same way forever 
and slowly show them a different way and show it in a way that's simple and then show it in a way that they can understand and implement in their business. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where the social media came from is how do I change an entire industry as one person? It's, it's impossible without the outreach. It would have been impossible 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. but now with social media, we have, you know, on a daily basis, thousands of people are looking at what I'm providing. And that's not just, that's not just builders because builders can only influence the market so much. I think they have a responsibility as a builder to educate their client, but it's really the client who needs to see the value in what that builder can provide them. They need to request it. It needs to be part of the, they say it needs to be like part of the industry itself or part of their philosophy almost as a community of people or as an, uh, like let's say the people of Winnipeg, you need to ask for better buildings to get better buildings. So how do you know to ask the right questions to get better buildings? Not well, only that, what is a better building? And what right? is a better building, yeah. exactly. So you need to change people's perspective on what... It all comes down to you need to change your expectations of what a good building is. And that's what my social media is there for. It's to educate the people and the builders, the developers on what a better building is and how to go about doing it. So that was an like that was an active thought yes. that, that you had as far as I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna influence the industry. How do I change things? Absolutely. That's yeah. phenomenal. And and it just works out to be good marketing. I don't have a website, I don't have a business card, I don't have a my business isn't tied to Google. Like you can go to Google and type in Kairos Engineering and nothing shows up. Uh, I don't have a Facebook bot. I don't have a Facebook page, like a Facebook business page. There's nowhere where you can find my phone number or email online. And that wasn't, that's not necessarily intentional. That's just because I'm too busy to actually do it. Mm-hmm. But It's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. But that's where it's just found the right people through that social media as well. And it's just become a huge marketing. It started as an education and then it became a marketing thing. Mm-hmm. And then it's led to, you know, I, I had a call yesterday. Just someone messaged me on Instagram out of the blue. Hey, we have a high performance build in Wosley. You know, we want to do a uh, Larson Trust assembly outside the existing envelope. And our engineers are not on board with this at all because the old man's club of engineering, whatever, mm-hmm. call it what you will. Mm-hmm. Um we need some help with this. Are you willing to help us? I said, yeah, absolutely. Give me a call this afternoon. They called me. We talked for half an hour and they sent me the plans and signed a proposal within, you know, a few hours. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a, you know, like social media, you think, oh, it's such a cold market. Like people contacting you is a cold market thing. But these people have been following me for months now and they mm-hmm. understand what I'm doing and they understand my philosophy and they're resonating with that, obviously. And the mm-hmm. right people that are resonating with it, are sending me messages asking me to be their engineer. Mm-hmm. How did you get so good at explaining things? Uh, university sports interviews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I played baseball uh, division one in, in the U.S. Okay. Uh, for North four, Dakota? three years. Yeah. University yeah. of North Dakota. So okay. the fight, fighting Sioux transferred to the fighting Hawks halfway through. It was a bit of a sore point, but that's Oof. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it's not my place to, to be the owner of the name of someplace. So, um, but it, uh, it, you know, just that ability to talk, the ability to talk in front of a phone, in front of a microphone, in front of reporters. I think that helped for sure. That's phenomenal. Yeah. That's really funny because starting out in social media, how long have you been pushing Instagram or well, social in general? Well, my, my roommate used to make fun of me all the time because I was the worst Twitter 
person ever. He's like, your first tweet was the worst thing I've ever read, and that's the reason you have one like on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, so I ended up deleting Twitter shortly afterwards and haven't ever got it back. He crushed my confidence there. <laughs> I feel like everyone's first tweet was like, I hope this works. Yeah. Or like something. You know. Yeah. I think mine was of a McChicken or something. It was like late night snack after the bar. What's wrong with that? Look at everyone's first TikTok. <laughs> it's going to yeah. just be the same thing. Of like, yeah. I don't know how this works. Yeah. Let's try a dance video. But. Oof. <laughs> Oof, yeah. that's another tiktok yeah. is a whole other beast yeah all the, i mean it isn't it isn't right mm-hmm. it's the same concept it's the same everything. concept and like i uh i was at a project yesterday i'll throw a little tag in here the adventure huts in uh turtle mountain provincial park i helped design and, and implement that with uh with a local guy okay uh basically it's just uh, they're like eight foot by 20 foot cabins that you can rent it's kind of like a weekend getaway kind mm-hmm. of thing for cross-country skiing in the winter uh, biking trails, hiking trails, there's a toboggan hill, a skating rink there. Um, he's just, yeah, it's, uh, uh, yeah, completely lost my train of thought there. It's all good. <laughs> so you're, uh, I mean, one thing that really, uh, as far as on the, on, on building your business, what's really funny is, so really business in any market is three things, finding leads, closing leads. And building processes and systems to support those. Mm-hmm. Rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. Right? So finding leads, part of marketing, that's the lifeblood. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't have leads coming in, it's over. Mm-hmm. What I find where, and even myself and other small companies start, is they start on the processes. Mm-hmm. And they start on the systems. And they start growing. And they, they get the business card. They get the website. They mm-hmm. get the logo and all that stuff. Which, by the way, you have a sweet logo. And, 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 Thank you. I spent and years into... developing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but you, by just the way that you thought about it, and, and I'm, there is a question coming. As far as you know, the way that you thought about it and approached like your marketing and, and, and educating people, you started... I would say in the right way, you loaded your pipeline just insanely. And we see how busy you are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, was that a thought about, was that a business decision or was that simply kind of purpose driven decision to change the industry and see where it goes from there? That's a t- about 15 part answer again, but it two part question to two 15 part, <laughs> 15 answer. part answer. Yeah. Exactly. Um, a bit of both. So it was almost not intentional and it was almost a, a finding of purpose story for me okay. because, so I started in commercial industry. I started working for a firm in Winnipeg, a structural engineering firm. I worked there and they were great people, great firm to work with, great place to start my, uh, start my career. And then I think I'm using them right now. Are you using them right now? Yeah. Oh, now there you go. Using the comp- yeah, GGH. Yeah. yeah. So I work directly under Dennis Hodgkinson, who is their CEO, and okay. Ryan Feidler, who is their, uh, uh, I guess he'd be their head head of structural. Okay. And I mean, I, I can't say enough about those guys. They mm-hmm. they basically took me in and gave me an opportunity to work on some absolutely amazing projects, but they did it in a way that wasn't large firm-esque okay. they did it in a way that was like here's a deck on your first day go ahead if you have questions i'm not going to answer them until you're done figure it out then come see me and we'll talk all the way through it yep. and it was great and it was like that processing went from decks to but they didn't do any residential but or they didn't at that point but basically it went from that to you know small light frame uh wood construction to mm-hmm. 
mid-rise hotels. And then heck, like 14 months in, I was working on, I was project managing a billion dollar project in Calgary. And the fact that they trusted me with that um, was pretty incredible. And then unfortunately, you know, it was a sad day. I had to leave there because my wife and I are from Western Manitoba. And we decided to move back closer to family. Um, went back into the c- commercial industry there as well with another firm out of Brandon. And it was, it was a, definitely a different experience. I, let's just say my first day, well, it, we'll start with the interview. My interview process there was, and, and keep in mind that I'm coming from a place where I had a lot of respect for the people. The interview was pretty short, but the first thing they said was, well, you're coming from DGH, so obviously you haven't really had a good first year experience. Because, that sets the tone. Yeah, because really, they know nothing and their integrity is nothing. Wow. And, and I was like, and it should have been a red flag. You'd think, right? It's like Hindsight. 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 And I, but then I think, I mean, I'm, what was I, 22 at the time. And I was just like, well, I guess I don't really know because I've never had a different experience. Right. So maybe that's the truth. Right. I don't know. Yeah. And then he goes, and then he says, well, you shouldn't have been working on those projects you were working on. I said, okay. Well, I feel like I earned that, but maybe I didn't. Mm-hmm. Maybe I got thrown into too much to begin with. Yeah. And then it, it almost became like a, I'm going down rabbit holes here, but it almost became a, a push and shove of trying to prove myself in a place that almost had pre-expectations that I wasn't enough because of where I worked before. Okay. And it was a so, rough experience. Sounds like an abusive relationship. It was already. an abusive yeah. relationship. It absolutely was. And and I, don't, I think it came from a good intent, like as yeah. in like, we're going to, you know, bash you until we mold you into what we want you to be. Okay. Uh, but it wasn't who I was and it wasn't a good fit for me. Yeah. So I ended up getting an offer from, but anyways, that was commercial industry. You were um, there for how long? Uh, two and, and a half years. Okay. Two and a half years. And then I ended up getting an opportunity from another firm out in Red Deer who wanted me to work remotely for them in Boise Bay, which is my hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted me to work remotely for them. And we did that for two years and then, uh, and under a great, it's actually a good friend of Dennis Hodgson at DGH mm-hmm. who I worked with who was working in Red Deer, they did lots of work together before. Um, kind of a guy who's pushing 60 years old, wants to retire, you know, needed some help uh, kind of reducing his workload. And it was, it was turned into a great relationship, have a ton of respect for this guy. Uh, and, but it became almost my own business because I was on my own working out of my basement with my computer with really, I mean, I've sat down and across the table with this guy maybe for once, for, for one week in my entire life. And I've worked with him for three years. You know, we talk on the phone maybe once every two or three days, but I have my roles and responsibilities and I know what those are and it's a good working relationship. And so where this, but where this came about was, well, now I have all this extra time. So I was getting my work done, you know, probably it was giving me a lot of extra time. I was getting my work done. I was meeting the expectations and I wasn't necessarily asking for more work. I wasn't, because I didn't see myself as like, I'm going to work for this guy in Red Deer for the rest of my life. So I wasn't pushing, you know, to be, an overachiever with his firm, okay. which, which I had my roles, my responsibilities, I was running my clients that I had with him, but really on the side of that piqued my interest on building science. And so I met, uh, or sorry, my wife and I bought a home. It was a fairly large home in, uh, Boise Vane, And it mm-hmm. was, uh, it was kind of the eye opener that I needed to understand quality versus not quality. So this house was built by, it was like a $2.2 million property this guy built and he fire sold it because he wanted to leave and he was a multimillionaire and he didn't care. We bought it for 600000 So, you know, we thought, okay, this is our dream home. You know, this is great. This is the house that we want to have forever. You know, it's not, it's not massive. It was 3,000 square feet. So it was big, mm-hmm. but it, but it was just, 
you know, it looked immaculate. It was seemed well done. Um, you know, I didn't, I'm an instructional engineer. I did an inspection of it. Nothing seemed to be failing. Um, that's your current home right now that you're still in? No, 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 okay. no. We okay. fire, we fire sold it afterwards. Um, <laughs> okay. and we get in there for three or four months and then it was like, man, all the rooms at the edges of the house are cold and we have water in our basement. We have frogs and salamanders getting into our house somehow. We have mice in here and I don't understand where they're coming from because I've been around this house three times and can't find a hole or an access. Mm -hmm. So what is going on here? And then you know, we had roof leaks and we had, and it's just like, okay, this is enough. Like, why, why, why would I pay $600,000 for something that's not enjoyable? I like that's not a good experience. Yeah. And when I found out when I started digging into things was, you know, it was built fast. It was built cheap. The guy who built it didn't have a lot of patience and he was like, let's get this thing up. You can't do it by the end of the week you're fired. Somebody else is coming in to do the roof. I'll get a commercial guy out of Brandon to come and do the roof in a day. So we did a roof in a day and we had roof leaks. Right. So, and it just wasn't a well thought out thing. And, and so this, this just ran me down a, a hole of, okay, now I got people asking me like a friends and family saying, Hey, you got some extra time. Do you want to help me out with this house? Do you want to help me out with this? Yeah, sure. Like as long as, you know, I, I, as long as I don't take on a lot of responsibility or whatever in this, like I can help you through the process or whatever. And then I just started learning more and more. And then I ran into some you know, ran into other people's social media presence and I didn't, and YouTube accounts. And I didn't really realize what was all out there. So it, it just ran into, um, basically this rabbit hole of a two to three year learning process of every day, just watching videos and, you know, reading buildingscience.com website insights. Okay. And, let's jump into yeah. this. Who are you yeah. watching? Uh, who are the big first social yeah. media kind of the, the big one that I ran into, I was looking at a structural slab design and I ran into Matt Reisinger. Reisinger, I knew him. Yeah. <laughs> and so I ran into him on YouTube. That guy's a beast he, he, on YouTube. He is. He is. And he's just a, seems like just a good person. But yeah. um, so ran into him and then just, you know, started clicking on next video, next video, next mm -hmm. video. Ran into, uh, which basically turned into uh, uh, running into his colleagues being, you know, Steve Basic. Wade Paquin, uh, Brett Hall. I don't watch a lot of Brett Hall's videos. I'm not quite creative enough yet for that. But then he started this Build Show Network and then they started some podcasts. And yep. it's just been, you know, and then from there it was finding Building Science uh, Corporation. Their website is phenomenal. And then from there it was finding uh, Positive Energy out of Austin, Texas, who does a Building Science podcast. And that's that's like engineer geeky stuff where it's like he's talking uh, what the vapor compression cycle is in VFR, you know, mechanical systems, right? So that's getting like a whole new level. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, Matt Reisinger tries to hit it from the high points. He tries to hit, yep. you know, your generally, this is a great weeping tile system if you can afford it. But, um, yep. whereas this guy, he dives into like, you know, like phase change materials, like just stuff that nobody even thinks about. Nobody even understands unless you have that kind of physics background. Yep. And I really, I kind of dig that, that nerdy stuff a little bit. And then, so that's kind of got me. And I thought, well, if he's doing it and what he's doing for the industry, why can't I do that? Right. And, and it's not that, it's not that I want to grow this like influencer account that, you know, makes money for me. It's that I want to grow my business through that. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I think probably could be both it could it could really, be both Ho right? and hopefully maybe it does become both i mean not necessarily from the financial side but hopefully it becomes the point where if i have a million people watching my videos every day i know yep. i'm hitting a pretty good population of manitoba in yep. that yeah absolutely have you done anything on youtube no i haven't i, I only have an instagram account 
I don't even have LinkedIn or Facebook or anything. And I need to branch out on that. It just becomes a, I mean, my biggest, and maybe we're getting there, but my biggest struggle with business is time and finding time. And I'm sure that's everybody's biggest struggle and it's burnout and it's okay. So where do we go from an Instagram account that doesn't take a lot of time? I mean, I feel I take some stories every day. I post one post every day, Mm -hmm. you know, but it, even in that time, like, okay, I'm taking 15 minutes away from a project I could be working on. Well, that's my marketing. I understand I have to spend time on it. Yep. How long would it take to transfer that into mm-hmm. YouTube, into podcast, into in TikTok, into Twitter, into... Time, 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 time. Exactly. It just yep. keeps eating up time. And until I can get to a place in my business where I have people that assist me with that stuff, mm-hmm. then it's just, it's just not feasible right now, I don't think. Right. That or I have to choose to take on less work. And that's a revenue issue. <laughs> so that's marketing versus revenue. What do you choose? I don't know. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that's something that every, I mean, every business owner growth is a, is a very uh, tumultuous uh, conversation. You know, do you do this first? Do you hire first? Do you, you know, do, mm-hmm. you, do you wait till you're inundated with work? Mm-hmm to hire somebody yeah. or do you hire somebody before and ready? Right. Right. There's these, always that. These are my, these are what I'm going through on a daily basis yeah. right now. It's like, I know I have the revenue to hire somebody right now. Like mm-hmm. I, it just, it would triple my revenue actually, if I could hire someone and get away from drafting myself, mm-hmm. but there's a level of hands on that I'm really enjoying with that right now mm-hmm. that I know there's learning processes and I know there's training processes and I know that there's, uh, I know I have high expectations for the products that I'm delivering, so I'd have to find the right person. And and doing that from a... I don't have an office, so it would be a remote employee. So doing that from a remote standpoint would be difficult. You have a basement. I do have a basement. You but have an office. I'm going to go in a limb and say, there's nobody who knows AutoCAD in Boys of Ain, Manitoba. <laughs> 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 so, and, and I mean, you hear, I mean, you hear those stories all the time of the people who started in their basement or started in their garage, but... I don't know if that's where we I started. Our, we started our yeah. everything in the basement. Perfect. Absolutely, like yeah. uh, DGH story. Uh, they were talking about them earlier. They started in a shipping container. They, yeah. they bought a shipping container and turned it into their office. Mm-hmm. And there was three of them that worked in there. So, you know, my wife works for um, the CEO of 24 seven in touch. Okay. So okay. they're 17,000 employees worldwide. Yeah. Him and his brother started that really? in their basement in Regina. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, call center. Yeah, that, that's really I, neat. I, I, I just pictured the two of them with two phones <laughs> starting Hello? a call center, <laughs> yeah. right? And yeah. now, so it it really, and and I think that you've been able to really almost, I, what you're saying is exactly what I wanted you to say. That's it's, fair. It's phenomenal that you came from a place of, I don't need this other shit. Mm-hmm. Or here's what's important to me. Here's a purpose-driven statement mm-hmm. and now i'm going to focus on educating and getting yeah. that out and get those leads and in. and to get back to your original i know like i went way around the wheel on that one right. but to get back to your original question of um did it start with the systems or did it start with the the purpose or the mission mm-hmm. and again i think it's both because obviously that's where the mission came from the, the mission to start my own company came from my negative experiences and i can go farther into that and I'm going to go farther into that because why, why not? Why not? Edit can. it out if you want. Yeah. Um, but we can, uh, like, when we I have, started We have learning, Simon Sinek's uh, Start With Why. Yeah, well, I, somewhere. We're, we're going to Simon here yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but 
we can, when I started learning more and more, I started understanding, well, how has this affected my life in the past? So if you, if you really want to dig down the mold, mildew, then the cause, and like there, there's, I mean, you can find anything in a study that you want to find, but there are good studies out there that say that divorce rates are 80% higher in homes with mold growth. Come on. Yeah, I'm not even joking. Like, no, you cannot. You can. There, 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 are people, there are organizations out there that show like, okay, if 60% of homes have you know, black mold in them and it's a neurotoxin mm-hmm. and you go and Google the effects of black mold on their nervous system, okay. it's insane. It, it, like it, it's, oh, that's a dirty rabbit hole. It, it is a dirty <laughs> rabbit hole. And then you start looking at airborne or indoor air quality, which is my big kick right now. Okay. And you look at indoor air quality and you say, okay, I grew up in a 19 or an 18, no, 1904 stone farmhouse. Okay. So no insulation, stone walls, uh, wood timber floors kind of thing. It, it, it's a good, solid structural house. Mm-hmm. But uh, the basement filled up with a foot of water every year just because we had high water table. We were by a creek and yep. there's no no waterproofing foundation, whatever, back then. Yep. Um, so that's, you know, leading to some musty. So you were rich. You had a swimming pool. We, we had a swimming pool. Yeah. Absolutely. An yeah. indoor swimming pool. Yeah. yeah. High humidity. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, high humidity. Uh, <laughs> that was my next point. And then which led to, you know, condensation on windows, which led to sill rot and, and stuff like that. And yep. then, you know, there's we had a coal furnace when I was a kid in the basement. So we were pumping burning coal. And it's this, I sound like I'm like 80 wow, years old right now. Say, how, how old are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and we did that for two years. I developed asthma. My sister developed asthma. She's 23 months younger than me. When my sister developed asthma, uh, we switched to a wood burning fire boiler that was out in the yard. So we had to go cut wood or whatever. My dad's, you know, put wood in the boiler. Like that was a decision based on both uh, of you guys getting um, asthma or was I, it just like, it just so happened? I think it just so happened to be okay. a better alternative to coal at that time. <laughs> <laughs> Good change. Yeah, Good exactly. change. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So the coal room was abandoned and then um, basically that moved to using the forced air coal ducts without ever, them ever being cleaned. And my parents, I mean, I'll give them credit. They just didn't know. Yeah. But using those ducts and now they're blowing the air from the wood fireplace that's out in the yard through these cold ducts. And mm-hmm. like you could sit on the couch and the sun's coming in through the window if you can picture that. And you can like see, see the dust. Like you could like yeah. collect the dust in yeah. your hands. And um, then, you know, it, I had some pretty major asthma issues when I was probably like eight, nine. Like I spent, I spent a week in the hospital at one point kind of thing. Like some pretty scary... I have some PTSD around an asthma attack I had when I was eight. I was sitting in front trying to get warm because our house was always freezing because either my parents were cheap or we had no insulation, one of the two. Mm-hmm. But, um, or dad didn't want to go out and stoke the fire that one, that one night. But <laughs> yeah, but I was sitting in front of this register and, you know, trying to get like sitting in front of the heat or bump the mic. Um, and I just remember like, <gasps> like, can't breathe, can't breathe. And then I just remember laying in the back of the vehicle. My parents are hitting me with Ventolin, running to the hospital. And, and it's, I mean, as an eight-year-old, that's a pretty traumatic experience. And I don't remember kind of what happened in the hospital after that. But then, so then I'm thinking about indoor air quality. And I'm thinking, but my brother never developed asthma. So I started asking my parents, like, why, why, why wait? Like, what happened? Like, what did we change? Well, we moved to electric baseboard heat after you had that asthma attack. Because we figured that, you know, maybe it did have something to do with it. No and then I found out my mom's brothers all have asthma. My grandpa has asthma. Like, and I'm thinking, okay, so maybe it wasn't genetic. Wow. Maybe it was the environment we were living in. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, 
yeah and so so that and then that just becomes part of the purpose and part of the mission and it just kind of becomes self-reinforcing mm-hmm. but but the now i'm going to go to the the other side of things now yeah. that, that's the purpose side of things um the systems i am 100 percent. I, I i've done a lot of myers-briggs person personality type typology enneagram um i've done kind of all of those things through mm-hmm. through business uh businesses i was a part of kind of got me into it and through my own personal uh personal reading yeah and i am 100 percent a visionary person that's yeah. that's me i am and, and you know you, you introduced me as this details person that was learned basically that that was forced to be learned mm-hmm. in order to realize the vision that i'm trying to create for my company interesting and i hate it <laughs> like no, I, sh- I shouldn't say i hate it i, I like it because i'm interested in it and it's like uh it's almost like uh you know there's a squirrel let's chase it kind of mentality but but it's uh it's very much uh i have a vision for what i want my company to look like i have a vision for the mission that i want my company to do i already know how i set it up i know what systems I want in place, searched all in my head, not on paper. Mm-hmm. And then I've taken that purpose and said, okay, how can I apply this to that? And what does that look like? And that's kind of where Kairos started was that, okay, I want to see change. I have a vision for what my company could be based on that change. I need to influence a market to create a market that's, you know, growing, I think. Mm-hmm. And then how do we create a business out of that? So it, it's a little bit twofold. It's the vision side of the mission we'll put it that way but you know in 10 years time i don't want to be doing the details i want to be leading a company i hear you that is i mean that's something very very similar to my story as far as yeah. um figuring out who you are mm-hmm. what you're really good at what you're not good at mm-hmm. um <clears throat> i too am on the visionary side more on the like let's results side yep. right that's that's always a word that comes up in mind mm-hmm. um and the fact that you've done all that stuff and your your growth, not only personally, but in business, mm-hmm. is also what attracted me to you. And I think that's why we get along so that's, well. That's fair, yeah. Um, but I had to do that too. I, I went back to school. So I was a firefighter for 11 years. Oh, really? Interesting. And yeah. uh, with the city, I just got really bored. Yeah. And um, I went to what we call the country club, mm-hmm. which is just a really slow hall. Yep. And I figured, you know what? I'm, I'm so bored. I'm going to go back to school. Yeah. And I took my architectural drafting okay. because I, I really liked uh, buildings. Mm-hmm. I liked building things, mm-hmm. but I also liked designing and I liked, you know, I liked everything about it mm-hmm. until I started doing it. <laughs> so I finished the two-year program in like <laughs> 10 months Yeah, because one, I'm, I was a bit older. I was older than everyone else in the, in, yeah. the, in the class, except for people that were getting sent there by their engineering yeah. firms or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I was just like, I was just a dude in there that paid to do this on my own time. Mm-hmm. So I just crushed through it. Yep. Um, but the issue was, was I am not detailed at all. And like, there's certain <laughs> details that, you know, you have to be, but when I was sitting there looking at a line on a computer screen, realizing like, oh, this isn't me, mm-hmm. you know, this is not me. Mm-hmm. And so in order to, you know, the way that you, you see stuff, you, you see your systems. 
I didn't even know what a system was at that time. It's fair. Yeah. I just knew that, you know, this is the direction I want to go. Mm-hmm. And I just started moving that way. It's kind of like we talked about like this podcast setup mm-hmm. and the videos yep. and everything. Yeah. Like our, our YouTube has grown substantially. Um, and I am, I, I had no idea what I was doing early on. Right. Yep. And so it's kind of like taking, just taking that first step forward. And I think that's right now you're getting, the best problem to have is too much work. Yes, it, of it is. Of all the problems yeah, all the that problems you could have, have, yes, it's that's a, the best one for you to have. It, it is, and and the personal problem that I have is being able to say no. Um, I had this conversation with uh, Builder yesterday about, uh, you know, we have a project coming up as high the high performance build or passive house certified trades and design mm-hmm. firm. I was like, okay all right so you get it you, you know you're my ideal client and i think i've said that to you before too like i have my ideal client i know who that is mm-hmm. and now i look at my schedule and i'm like i have 15 people who are not my ideal client mm-hmm. on my schedule yep but i can't really bump anyone because that's a bit of a dick move have you ever read the book crucial conversations no but i'm about to <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so that legitimately for any uh any hard conversation and mm-hmm. it's the reason why i have cold showers in the morning because mm-hmm. it makes you uncomfortable and it makes you do that thing that you don't want to do mm-hmm. and that's the saying no mm-hmm. it, it, but it's not even it, okay i i understand what you're saying but it's almost not even it's not that i'm uncomfortable saying no okay it's that i'm looking at a lost opportunity mm-hmm. and saying okay I'm, I'm a solo business person Anything, and I have very minimal costs. I am very tight on my costs. Like I said, I don't even have a website. So <laughs> so it's like... I didn't not get a website because I didn't want to. I'm just... <laughs> yeah. I just didn't want to pay for yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't want to pay for the hosting. That's, That's $10 fair. a month. Yeah. But like, I'm looking at that and saying, okay, I have a $1,000 job with this person that you know I could do in a day or two. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that's $1,000 in the bank account. Basically, I can pull 90% of that out from, mm-hmm. you know, my family and whatever we're doing there is revenue or profit. I'm thinking, okay, if I turn that down, like, I'm, I'm losing that. But what I have, but I'm, I'm just really going through that. When, when do I say no? How do I work my schedule? How do we figure out a schedule in an industry that sucks at scheduling? no offense it's not your business but (laughs) but like you can have six projects on the go and do be doing nothing because you're waiting on hold for all of them and all of a sudden have all six you know come back the same day and then everybody wants them on friday and that's like okay now we're gonna have a long week but it's saying no from a lost opportunity perspective and if i say no to somebody they're gonna say okay well he really doesn't want to work with me which maybe is the best thing (laughs) (laughs) which which maybe is what we want i feel we're having breakthroughs but yeah yeah (laughs) But, and this is Greg, so my wife... John, you're fired. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening to this, <laughs> yeah. you should not be named. Yeah, no. Um, uh, but, and my wife doesn't want to listen to these conversations all the time. So, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, uh, it, it, how do I change an industry though, if I'm turning people away who I think won't change either? And it's like, if I have an opportunity to bring a client in, those are when I can have the conversations of, what about an inch and a half of exterior insulation on this? Have you ever done that before? No, we haven't because we don't like doing this. And we'll say, well, what if you detailed it this way and it becomes very easy? Mm-hmm. And then I show them, I can show them the breakdown that I have saved in the file that says, you know, your two by six R22 wall is actually only R16, but if you add an inch and a half of insulation to it, it's now R23. And that's like a, you know, 30% increase in, 
insulation value just by adding an inch and a half insulation. You mm -hmm. use your thermal break and you know, it's roughly going to save the clients this amount of money per year and they're going to get that payback in return in five years. Mm -hmm. So are they going to stay in the house longer than five years? Why wouldn't you do it? And then that, that starts to change a, huh, okay, maybe that makes sense. Maybe it's as easy enough to do it. The detail that you showed me for how to do it around windows makes sense. We can still use our flange windows. Okay, now we can see some change. And, and maybe that's a, maybe I'm trying to change people that don't want to change or maybe I'm trying to do too much to change the industry or I'm taking too much on personally instead of you know, growing my business with the people who are already on board with it. But how do you change an entire market without taking on those people as well? Do you think that though? Sometimes. Like, like, <laughs> like, do you think that you're trying to do too much to change the industry versus? I think there's a, if I want to hire a drafting technician to get away from drawing lines, mm -hmm. like you said, like that's not me either, but I just have to do it, mm -hmm. that I have to focus on revenue profit side of the business as much as I have to focus on. I mean, number one rule of business is you have to be profitable. You can't have a business that doesn't work. So like I can spend all the time I want trying to change the industry on Instagram and still not making me immediate revenue. But it, I mean, not, I'm not That's saying the that key it does. Word. That's the key word. There. Immediate. immediate. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying that it won't eventually, but you know, my wife's a stay at home mom now because you know, that's what we decided because mm -hmm. my schedule was too much, um, for both of us to work and we wanted to spend time with our kids too. And it's just, okay. So there's a lot of pressure there around being able to provide us and basically replace both of our, because my wife was an occupational therapist, so she did very well for herself. She's a mm -hmm. master's degree in occupational therapy. Um, so how do we replace both their income while running a business at the same time? And like, you have to choose your lifestyle at the point where you're opening a business. Like you have to say like, how much are we going to change our existing lifestyle to see the success of this business? Cause it takes time and it takes a lot of time. And you know, my kids are four and two right now. How much time do you want to spend with them outside of business hours? And what are business hours? Are business hours actually a thing anymore when you're running your own business? That's, it is a holiday today. It, it is a holiday and you today. you are here and I am here. And I am not just doing a podcast today. I started work at 5 a.m. this morning and yeah. I will end work at midnight tonight probably if possible. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, but that's part of the sacrifice that comes with it mm -hmm. to realize that. And so, you know, then it becomes a, how much do I really want? And as, as much as I have this vision and I want to change the industry, what is the trade-off in, you know, spending all my time trying to change the industry but not making the revenue that I could be making. I mean, it would be super, super simple, Dan, to, as an engineer with a stamp, you know, you can create, you can cause murder. You can just say, I'm going to seal everything for $500. Send me your drawings and I will just rubber stamp that. I could make, you know, half a million dollars a year without doing much work and without losing, well, probably losing a lot of sleep. But, and it would be easy, but that's not what I want to do. So mm -hmm. how do you, where's the balance? And that's what I'm trying to find right now, I think. Yeah. I think that that is, uh, I mean, there's almost that in every industry, right? Like mm -hmm. you could, we could talk about builders that do that. We could talk about, That's you know, any other industry, accountants, yeah. uh, <laughs> you, you name it, yeah. they, they could all do it. Yeah. Uh, but you touched on something that is legitimately one of, I think the, the hardest concept, uh, as a, as a married man with kids, mm -hmm. that's a starting a business is balance and and i don't like that word because 
it often has some interesting different connotations to everyone yep right but like what is the right balance and in all those fronts Mm -hmm. um so i think that i mean that ties into the word that i used for you was consistent with Mm -hmm. your your instagram and Mm -hmm. that's created so much momentum for you Mm um how do you look at being a, a father a husband a business owner and a and an individual that's growing yourself how do you manage that how do you how do you look at that is it on a do you plan that out is it on a daily on a weekly monthly everything i do has to be intentional okay so you know intentional is a key word and uh, every I have a planner that I use. I'm sure you have yours sitting here. I'm sure you use one and similar. Um, I use the full focus planner and I think it's wonderful. I found it like, so I went through a whole bunch of planners and try to find systems and what works. And I couldn't find one that fit exactly what I was trying to do. So I ended up going into Excel and making my own and printing off 400 sheets and binding it into a binder and saying, okay, here's my planner. You engineered that. I know. Yep. And it, it's great. It's great. And it worked good. Um, you know, had everything that I wanted in it. And then it just, and then I thought, ah, oh, you know what? I don't really want to pay for a printer. <laughs> so I don't want to print it. So I'm going to value engineer out the printer and we're going to move it to just online. And I'm just going to create PDFs that I can just, you know, use my PDF editor and just type in the, you know, use the typewriter function and just type in all the boxes. Then I'll save one every week. Yep. And that didn't work because nope. that, no, that I need nope. the paper feel. Yep. Yeah. So then I just got, okay, you know what? I need to try something else. Let's, let's try this other planner and it worked and it was worked great but basically they have a you know a weekly overview uh as many planners do that just outlines at the, at the bottom it says you know what's your uh what's your connection this week with people how are you going to sleep this week what are you going to eat this week what are you going to how are you going to exercise this week how are you going to and it goes through those questions that you just asked and mm-hmm. you know i intentionally write in there you know here's my meal plan for the week here's my exercise plan for the week here's my but then but then I look at this planner and there's nothing wrong with it, but I look at the planner and it's got two pages of work tasks and it's got one little box for what my exercise is for the week. Mm-hmm. And that little box of exercise gets pushed to the side really quick when those two other pages get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, uh, it's the hardest thing in my life right now is balance, balancing. Like you said, I don't like the word, but it's finding intentional time to set aside for doing the activities that I know I need to do the whole sharpen the ax kind of thing before you chop the tree mm-hmm. kind of idea. And so that's my biggest downfall in my life right now. Like I set quarterly goals and I said quarter four was going to be for, you know, my personal health. I reached a whole bunch of business milestones in quarter three, quarter four, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to write out my business goals that I did, you know, I'll continue them on. But at the same time, I'm going to focus on my personal health this quarter because I'm, I'm not in the best personal health right now because of my business. And I say, because it's not because of my business it's because of the way I'm choosing to operate my business is I'm choosing to prioritize my business over my health, mm-hmm. which can't happen for right. a long, for a long period of time if I want to live very long. Yep. So it, uh, so Cho- choosing choosing the word choose yeah is, everything's a choice along with intention right? exactly yeah everything's a choice there and so what i really need to do and what and what is the hardest part is is doing a little bit good of everything like i haven't been able to achieve those quarter four goals yet yet because it's going to happen yet mm-hmm. but 
because of my business success that I had in quarter three is overwhelming me in quarter four. And it's just continuing on. And now I need to hire. And now I'm going through all those same questions we talked about earlier. And mm-hmm. how the heck do you get about this in the first time? And so, but what really needs to happen is just intentional time set aside for everything and, a, and an ideal week schedule created. And, and you know, you're, you don't always need to follow your ideal week. It's mm-hmm. not always going to happen. There are, you know, things that happen in the world. But that that are going to change that or get you away from that, but doing your absolute best intention to stick to what you say you're going to do at the start and then learning to say no when you can't do it, but then having enough of a understanding or an awareness of your schedule of where you can fit in things and can't fit in things. And then balancing that with the clients you want to take on and not take on and where you want to grow your vision, vision of your business and where that all fits in. It's a hard thing to do to, to, check check all the boxes every day quality time with family um quality time with family quality time with family quality time with family exercise nutrition etc so i mean you can get to noon and think okay at noon i'm eating a, this meal and i'm going to exercise at 1 p.m in the afternoon till 2 and then i'm going to go back to work at 2 and then you get there and you're you're got an email at 11:55 that says hey here's some floor shop drawings that we need by three and you're like now i have to make a choice yeah. do i do right by my client do i write do right by me by my body by my health and where does that fit in and making that decision and that's a hard hard decision to make especially when you have that vision that you're working towards and that vision doesn't necessarily for your business doesn't include you in optimal health but it Mm -hmm. needs to for the long haul for the long haul i think that that conversation has um there was 25 rabbit holes that we could have gone down 50 yeah absolutely um there's along with along with balance is like this this as a business owner you have all of these like what's right what's wrong mm-hmm. and i think that you know coming from a from a uh holistic approach of our lives and thinking like i have to do this or i have to do this or um you know what's right what's wrong i think that one of the big things that has served me really well is trying to replace right and wrong with is it serving me right now or mm-hmm. is it not serving me mm-hmm. right and like, is it serving the overall vision or is it not serving the overall vision is it serving the five-year and the 10-year vision as well that's right and 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 looking at it as kind of a whole mm-hmm. kind of thing because i had that same uh i've gone through all of that as far as like how much time do i spend with, with my kids yeah and the the quantity versus quality mm-hmm. and you know what is that connection point i think that that's a that's a hard thing too as uh i mean just i've never met your kids but just i mean i've seen them on, yep. on social media right yep. and and the fact that you're even thinking about spending time with them and, and balancing you know it, mm-hmm. it says a lot about what kind of dad you are um but even then it's like okay well what's what am I looking for when I'm playing with them? Mm-hmm. Right. Like kids, kids want to, we want to have connection with our kids. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, I think one of my, one of my coaches told me like connection is, is two things, love and fun. Mm-hmm. And if you can, and <laughs> yeah. if you can create those two things with yep. kids, you can play for two minutes or two hours. Yep. Right. And, and as long as that connection's there. Yep. And so I, I think that that conversation of like intention and choice and planning, I mm-hmm. mean, there is this, you're creating this momentum that 
it's funny when you when you run into somebody like yourself um, or when when I would have people early on say like I don't care what you're doing you're gonna be successful mm-hmm. because you're just you're you're it's it's a mindset right mm-hmm. and you're like your prime example of it is just what you're building right now is an incredible amount of momentum that I mean once the one one once you get a little boat here and a little boat there like that yeah. wave is just gonna absolutely pump it and it, it is and i think and i told my i started talking to my wife about a website the other day and i was thinking if i had a website and you could find me on google i think it would be like a i think it would be an over like you said it would be an overwhelming wave of people who i, I mean we can talk about the engineering side of it again people come to me for three for three reasons they come to me because they're currently unhappy with the level of detail they're getting in plans or the oversight that are actually happening, which is, in my uh, personal opinion, is negligence. Then you're they're getting the, well, they only have standard details that they work with because that's what works for them and they're unwilling to think outside that box. And then there's the, I can't get a hold of him because he's actually good mm-hmm. and he can't communicate because he's an engineer (laughs) and 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 those those are the three reasons people come to me and they say okay well i don't want a five-week turnaround on my drawings i want a one-week turnaround time and on revisions i want a three-day turnaround time can you do that Mm, yes i'll try (laughs) i'll I'll do Uh my best and and, i promise to do my best yeah and and my wife goes stop answering your phone that's why they're hired me because they want me to answer my phone and then that's that's the number one complaint and it's if I if people could find me on, you know, if people could actually find my contact information, I feel like it would become a lot very quickly. And I want to be very careful with how I navigate the next two years in bringing the right people on board. And I think the right people is really the key to that. Finding the right people, developing the right systems, or at least getting the systems that I know I want that are in my head on paper so that when I bring the right people in, I can train them properly and set appropriate expectations for what I demand. Mm-hmm. Not demand, to what, just setting appropriate expectations, what my expectations are so that they know that and they're clear on that. And then meeting and exceed, exceeding my client's Mm, expectations it's all about managing expectations really mm-hmm. and so if i can exceed my clients expectations over the next two years while bringing on the right people and making sure that they understand what you know the quality what, what the vision or the mission of our company is about mm-hmm. and where that wants to go i think it could be you know like you said i think it could blow up pretty quick and i just got to be very careful that i don't go too fast but at the same time it's like well i kind of want to go fast i like going fast <laughs> i am not a patient person i, I am not either <laughs> i am no. not either <laughs> no but no it's a good thing to be a general contractor that's not patient because then you actually get things done i my general contracting ability with for my own renovation has been pretty poor with my plumber but i haven't quite had the conversation with him yet that if you don't show up again you might be fired but I got to have that conversation. It's not that I don't like having hard conversations. There's just no other plumbers in town. And then I got to do it myself. <laughs> uh, you know what? I was, uh, who was I listening to? Ed Milet. I was listening to Ed Milet. 
Okay. Uh, very close to like yep. Andy Frisella. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yep, yeah. Um, and seventy five hard is something that we can talk about too. Yeah, sure. Um, but uh, but with Ed Milet, he was, uh, I think, I think the how they put it was, if you're giving somebody a chance, yeah, and you but you don't tell them that you're giving them a, a second chance or a third chance or whatever it is. Mm-hmm then you're completely on two different levels, mm-hmm. right? Like you're just, you're making this decision yeah. kind of separate from them. Internally, know, like, I've made the decision that I'm going to give them a second chance, that's but right. they think they're still on the first chance. They that's think nothing's right. wrong. And so when that comes to a point and you're like, bro, I gave you like six chances and you're like, no, I'm still on chance one. Yeah. You know, communication is an incredible, um, uh, barrier mm. or, I mean, you can use it for amazing things with, great communication as you've seen in social media right um as we grow here with more people in the office and letting go i think that letting go is going to be real tough i mean something that you talked about was Mm. just i i don't want to let go quite yet or Mm. or i don't know how to let go is something that i went through it's just i i don't know how to to describe what i want you to do Mm -hmm. kind of thing and Mm -hmm. i I don't think you're. Gonna I want have you to be much. me. Just, just, just be <laughs> yeah. Dan. That's it. That's all you got to do. Just be Dan. <laughs> but better. But better. But, but yeah. better. Yeah. But better. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and I, I understand that. And the thing that, and I think you're the same way. I want to let go. Mm-hmm. I, I want to not like I said in five to ten years. I do not want to be part of the day to day of my business. And that's not because I'm, in Kelowna sipping martinis. Mm-hmm. That's because I'm doing the the weekly quarterly monthly yearly checks writing i'm steering the rudder that's i'm and going back to simon uh senek is that his last name senek he had a great thing that i saw heard the other day was like what's a ceo what the hell's a ceo like it's a chief executive officer okay what's a cf what's a cfo chief financial officer okay so the chief financial officer is in charge of finances the chief operations officer is in charge of operations mm-hmm. the chief executive officer what the hell is he in charge of no nothing like he's in charge of the executive charge of the executives that doesn't make sense to me so what about cvo chief vision officer okay so he's in charge of the vision that makes sense mm-hmm. so and, and what i think there's a huge hurdle in people like you and i where we're not detail-oriented people but we've kind of learned to have to adapt and be detailed in the places where we need to be mm-hmm. to in order to so the issue is that the people with the vision should be at the top the people with the details should be doing the day to day, and that's and that's just finding the right people for the right tasks and understanding again and having the self awareness that you are what you're good at and what you're not good at. Yep. But there's a hurdle that has to come for the people with the vision to get to the top. There's this mundane daily activities that seem pointless or that seem frustrating or that seem. Um, like they're not the best use of your time or they're not growing your company that you have to get through in order to get to the top. You don't just enter a company and say, Hey, I have good vision. Throw me at the top, please. And then I'll, I'll guide you. And that's not how it works. You have to go through the mud and the trenches and everything to end up getting yourself to that point. And that's a really difficult thing to do for people who aren't detail oriented. I feel like so many people with the vision have these grand ideas that never get past that entry level position because they're seen as incompetent, mm-hmm. but they aren't meant for that position, but they need to find a way to get past that oh position. God, that, is, that is 
incredible. I've been part of a few startups mm-hmm. um, with amazing ideas. Mm-hmm. And the, the guys that were leading it at the time, I always thought were, were I mean, quite visionary and they had great visions. Mm-hmm. But I did almost think they were incompetent mm-hmm. because they couldn't do anything that they said they were going to do but at the same time the vision was incredible Mm -hmm. and i think that i mean the hard part is is when you're starting a business you are everything right (laughs) bookkeeper accountant (laughs) you are everything yeah and how you know i i don't know how long i mean you've come from firms right Mm -hmm. that they're well established Mm -hmm. and you made the decision to start your own Mm -hmm. um how has your how has your mental health been (laughs) 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 since you jumped in right it's Mm -hmm. something that i think i think mental health is becoming more of a conversation oh for sure and when we talk about like masculinity right about Mm -hmm. you know feelings and shit like that but but mental health, I mean, when you're starting a company and you have a family and you mm-hmm. have a wife mm-hmm. and you have stuff that you want to do. Mm-hmm. I I got a taste of, so we had a project, um, I'd be listening to this podcast, so I better not. Uh, we had a project, I won't mention names, but we had a project for uh, someone who created a very big business in Winnipeg and then moved to create another business in uh, Saskatchewan and he was a you know very high performing visionary person as well, and he had very 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 high expectations of what he wanted for this process, but had no idea about buildings. So he wanted to create a manufacturing process, which he had you know figured out vision for and what that should look like, but he just needed a space like he he needed like a I can't remember what it was it was like a hundred thousand square feet or something like that. And he needed it within a budget and he needed it within three weeks from the time he contacted us and, and like, I finished within three weeks and it was like, or sorry, not finished within three weeks, the design of this hundred thousand square foot place designed within three weeks and then built within two months, like completely finished built. And it was like, I don't think that's possible. (laughs) And then, but, but, but I I have a lot of, uh, post-frame industry ties in, in Manitoba and well, we could do this like an operation. Like we could build you at 80 foot wide by a thousand foot long, hundred thousand square feet. It'll work for your operations. We can have five crews there, you know, so 30 guys, we can be putting in posts as people are strapping and we can just create the, you know, Henry Ford it. We absolutely, we can build this building, but the design isn't going to take three weeks. The design is where we need to be careful. And to do the design in three weeks, I'm going to have to put in 20 hour days like just just so that you understand that's right and i ended up putting in 20 hour days for three weeks and then he got fired because i was a day late actually we fired him because he went off and started calling everybody uh arseholes (laughs) when when we were a day late yeah um and then it's just like oh that is what being a business owner feels like (laughs) is is putting in 20 hour days for three weeks straight to achieve something that is almost probably never been done before and then to get fired when you're a day late because you didn't get the results and it was just like okay so there's there's a taste of what business feels like and so that that happened while i was working remotely for another client we were working on this post frame uh, building together but or working for another employer uh, but the going back to the mental health side of things is like 
I was not good after those three weeks. <laughs> and like, and I could tell, like it was just, it was a, it's a different working eight hour day from working 20 hour days and getting four hours of sleep every night. Like it's, it takes a big toll on you. Mm-hmm. And I think I started to understand that then over a three week period. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, okay, I need, and I was able to, at that time, take the next four days off and recoup, recover, you know, do what I needed to do, and then start in fresh again. Mm-hmm. It's great. When you own your own business, you don't have that luxury. And so that's where things become very difficult is, you know, I can work 20-hour days for a week. I can work 20-hour days for two weeks. I can work 15-hour days for a month. I can work 12-hour days for six months. I can't work 16-hour days for a year without a day off. I know that I cannot physically do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't care who you are or how great a vision you have. If you're working 16 hours a day, and we're not talking five days a week, we're talking six or seven days a week to create a vision, you need to take time for yourself. My brother was sitting across the table from me at supper the other day. He was Patrick, you look like shit. What are you doing with your life? And I said, I know. He's like, take some time off. I know. Why can't you take time off? Because I have 17 active projects right now that have construction deadlines before it snows. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it snowed yeah, yesterday. <laughs> so, and then they're like, okay, so how, and my wife keeps saying, how are we going to change things in 2022? That's apparently like, it's kind of like starting on Monday. So we'll just start, we'll start with a better schedule January 1st. Okay. <laughs> magically. Yeah, magically it'll yeah. start. Um, but so what are we going to do in 2022 that's going to be different from 2021? That's going to allow us to keep the same revenue or, or hopefully grow it substantially without sacrificing you because you are the business. Like right now, like I don't have equipment. I, well, I have a computer. That's it. Right. But I am my nice assets. What's that? It's a nice screen. It's a great screen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thank you. Previous customer that bought that for me. <laughs> there you go. Um, but no, it's uh, and it's like, okay, so you have you know, all the assets you need, but you are the asset for this business. So if your mental health is in trouble, mm-hmm. then we're all in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so how do we take care of you while keeping our revenue up? I said, hire somebody. <laughs> we need to hire somebody, but but then you know, it's in a whole other project. But yeah. it, it's it's a very, very easy thing to do to fall down that rabbit hole of where's your mental health at when you're starting a a business and you don't really understand what you're getting into mm-hmm. until you get into it and then you become passionate about it and when you become passionate about it you kind of forget about everything else for mm-hmm. a while or if you're like me you do and you kind of become very one track mind of this is what I'm going to achieve mm-hmm. but then there's again there's all these other aspects of life that you're missing out on and then you realize three weeks down the road or a month down the road that oh man I haven't spent any time with my kids and my wife's pissed at me because I haven't spent any quality of time with her mm-hmm. and it's not because she's a bad person. It's because I have neglected mm-hmm. and it's, you know, and, and you start looking at all these other things. It's like, what's the point of having the business if you don't have your wife anymore? What's the point of having a business if your kids don't like you? Like there is no purpose past that. Right. I mean, may, maybe your purpose is your business, but then why'd you get married? And it's, you know, managing all of those is very difficult, but it absolutely is essential and it needs to happen. And we need to have the systems in place. And we're, we're going back to that original question was like, you started the business with a vision, not the systems. But the vision without the systems becomes what I have now, <laughs> which is bad mental health and a lot of revenue. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes, okay, so where does this become sustainable? And how do we make this sustainable? Mm-hmm. And that's where that's the big question I'm trying to answer right now. So, hey, feel free to incite me. Give me your Dan, Dan-wism, <laughs> your, your Danism. 
you know what um what i found is uh, <clears throat> i went through that entire cycle mm-hmm. um i i i focused on the business and you know i i didn't focus on myself i didn't focus on uh building all the other aspects of my life and uh i've been down at the bottom of that and mm-hmm. it, and it doesn't go very well mm-hmm. i think that people that become uber successful down that hole mm-hmm. It gets harder and harder and harder the more money you make Mm -hmm. to really get that light switch moment i mean when you have a when you have a semi-successful business and you hit the bottom you're like ah you know i'm making some money but if you're making bank Mm -hmm. like that's a real tough thing to say Mm -hmm. okay i need to change even though i did lose my my wife and my Mm -hmm. kids or whatever right Mm -hmm. so um, but I think the thing that's been really made, made, brought the, what we'll either call it a peace or uh, light or like things feel lighter or joy. Oh, yeah. Um, is, is really the, the analogy of, of baseball. And back to you being a baseball, well, I like baseball. player. Baseball. Explain. There you go. Explain. Uh, too many of us just try to hit home runs. Mm hmm. And not only home runs, but I'm talking like every day we try to hit home runs mm-hmm. in all aspects, right? Mm-hmm. We work, we, we dive, we bury ourselves into our work or yep. into this thing. And we become just unilaterally focused mm-hmm. on one thing at a time mm-hmm. and try to, I'm going to hit a home run in this. And then I'm going to go hit a home run over here. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to oh, go hit a home run over here. But while you're hitting a home run over there, the team's catching up on the other end. Oh, they're dying. Yeah. They're dying over there. Yeah. Right? And so, I mean, we can look at Moneyball or, you know, that's probably the easiest one of yeah. just, no, we need to get on base. We need to hit singles. We need to hit singles every day. Don't so be a bull. Be, a, be an ant. That's right. Be an ant. Just build it up. Build all of them up. Like, there's no reason why um, I can't take five minutes, 15 minutes a day to meditate mm-hmm. or to read in the morning mm-hmm. or work on uh, writing, you know, something as simple as a small little love note to my wife and my kids mm-hmm. or somebody that I want to build a relationship with in my life, brothers, family members, friends that I mm-hmm. don't talk to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then really just learning. I mean, we... We all have these tasks, right? Every day. But the, that task never dies. It never dies. It no. only ever grows. It grows. It literally grows. <laughs> I, I need to insert another piece of paper into my current organizer because the 28 tasks I'm supposed to achieve every day isn't enough. <laughs> and it's 58 now. It's, yeah, it's 58 now. Exactly. Yeah, by the time we're done talking. Yeah. Um, and so really it's, okay, well, what, what can I do that's small? What's a single that I can do every day in all of these aspects mm-hmm. that as long as I hit those... By the end of the week, I've done it seven times. Mm-hmm. And that becomes, right? And everything outside of that, if mm-hmm. I get more done, great. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. But I know that I've built this, this foundation. And that's what that's the foundational part that I was, I, I didn't even know about, right? Mm-hmm. You, didn't, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. If you, add, if you get 1% better every day, what's that compound? And I... 
it's another job <laughs> coming in. Just don't answer it, Patrick. Yeah. How hard is it for you right now not to answer? Hey, that? Josh, you're on the you're on the podcast here. What do you got? <laughs> what do you got for me? Yeah. Um, no, but you're you're right. And I'm actually reading a book called The Slight Edge right now. And I was look just scanning your bookshelf. Do you have it? No. Okay, Slight get it. Edge. Get it. It's great. Who wrote that? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I never looked at the cover totally long enough. Fair. Yep. Yeah. Um it basically the whole philosophy was this guy worked in personal development for like he was the info, he was the guy behind the camera and the info, the old infomercial in the nineties that was like, Oprah Winfrey is telling you to do this on this DVD set that you can buy and you implement these things in your life and you'll, you know, be great. Like he was infomercial man? Uh, not the infomercial oh, man. Oh, because I was going to say Ron Papil <laughs> no. said it and forget no. it. No. Okay. For sure. Okay. No. Yeah. No, he not, not the, not the infomercial man, but okay. he was like working as like the CFO for these companies kind okay. of thing. Um, and he kept, or product development or something. And he kept saying like all this content is absolutely amazing if people just took those six things that that person said and did them mm-hmm. you mean they'd be unstoppable but they have to do them that's right and why aren't people doing them and and so he kind of like got into this you know why aren't people doing it well people didn't understand you know it's like compound interest they didn't understand compound interest like okay if you put a little bit every day like my parents for example they just sold their family farm and I don't know what my dad made per year before, but you know, he's looking at the interest that he's gaining on. He's like, why the hell did I do this 10 years ago? I'm making eight times what I made when I was farming and I don't do anything. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but that's the idea. And it's like, if you do these slight things every day, mm-hmm. you can either get better or worse. And you're doing slight things, whether you know it or not, I'll turn off that ringer, you can, whether you're doing it or not. And, um, it doesn't. Sorry to interrupt. He, he's Sorry. he's tag he's tag adding me in, in Instagram right now. <laughs> he's targeted targeted ads I'm getting for that, but I will yeah, uh, look at that. Yeah. Um, but he uh, these slight things that you're doing, you can either you know, eat the salad or eat the cheeseburger. You get that choice, but every day you get that choice, and it's just a matter of okay, are you is it helping you or is it hindering you? And mm-hmm. if you t- if you do these small mundane things every single day in every aspect of your life that needs to be better, I can list them off, but I won't, then where, where are you going to end up? Mm-hmm. And it, it's just going to be this, you're either going to see this you know, logarithmic curve, upward curve of, uh, or exponential curve of growth, mm-hmm. or you're going to see it of, you know, not, not growth, like you're declining as a person. And you the get trending, to make, the trending word now is parabolic. Parabolic. Ooh, yeah. Very nice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and that's just, it comes down to these little things that you do every day. Like, do you wake up at 5 or 5.30? Because if you wake up at 5 instead of 5.30 every day, I'm using extreme examples, but if you wake up at 5 instead of 5.30 every day for 365 days, you get an extra half hour of whatever in. What is that extra half an hour over a course of a year or a lifetime? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it doesn't mean to lose sleep, but, you know, if you're, yeah, you understand. It, it's, it's doing the little things consistently over time that make any difference. And, and that's, that's what you it. said, hitting singles, playing money ball, playing small ball. Yeah, we create so small things done over time. Mm-hmm. When we talk about relationships or anything like that, that creates trust. When we're doing it by ourselves, when we're doing it, we'll, we'll say, we'll use the term in the dark, right? Mm-hmm. When, when no one's watching, the mm-hmm. stuff that you do when, no, when you don't have to, that's, you're, also, you're creating trust with yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the hard parts is like, uh-huh. when I set these goals, I'm, I know, if I know that I'm not, if I don't have trust in myself, I'm going to set these goals 
<laughs> deep down, I know yeah. I'm not going to hit those, those aren't things. Goals. Those are dreams. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I'm just, yeah. I'm not, and I'm going to set them. I'm going to feel good about myself. But then when I don't hit them, I'm going to make an excuse and, yeah. you know, I'm just not going to do them. But yeah. I found that, that doing these singles creates such a trust in yourself mm -hmm. that like, no, I can do the things that I say that I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and that really, I mean, the foundational thing for me and the one that's actually in that book, and it says it right on the cover, is stop lying. Mm -hmm. And that's not talking about, I mean, it, it is talking about, you know, the outright lies that we tell. But the biggest lies that we tell are the ones that we tell ourselves mm -hmm. and justifying everything. So coming in from a business owner uh, perspective is like, when I'm looking at the cold, hard facts of my business, am I willing to hear that? Am I willing to look at them mm -hmm. and say like, this is working, this isn't working, this is where I'm at? Mm -hmm. Because what happens a lot of the time is we lie to ourselves about where we're at, where we want to go. Mm -hmm. There's We can't ever make a plan to go somewhere. It's like a map. I'm starting here. If I don't know where I'm starting, mm -hmm. and but I want to go somewhere there's there's no route to it yeah. right yeah so uh, when when we talk about telling ourselves the truth that to me was the if there was ever a light bulb moment that and, was it and that goes for i mean instagram is a prime example or it's just any social media is a prime example we can tell ourselves that we're on instagram creating good content and interacting and uh you know creating good conversations with potential clients and marketing mm-hmm we probably don't need to be doing that six hours a day. So, right. so where is the, um, like, am I do, using this as and, marketing or, or am I scanning Instagram or escaping? That's or, right. Or am I using it as my escape? That's right. For, from, uh, just like a numbing agent from what I should be doing. Am I procrastinating on it? Yep. And that's where, you know, maybe if I'm going to procrastinate on work, I should go spend some time with my kids instead mm -hmm. of, you know, creating meaningful conversations on Instagram, right? And that's and that's a hard thing to do too, is getting away from uh, what's important and what's not important. Mm -hmm. And and again, just allocating intentional time for what is important. Yeah, yeah. I want to be uh, uh, cognizant of your time here. And we're that's okay. <laughs> we, I think we could easily go for three hours, ten, yeah, eighteen hours of talking. Yeah. Um, and and. I think there's going to have to be a Patrick Van Dorn uh, part two, maybe part three. <laughs> but, um, you know, coming into this, I would say that, you know, understanding um, where you're at and, and coming as far as you've come already. What is something that you've already learned that you would have died to know right at the start? Isn't this where we just say we know everything? <laughs> no. Um, it, it would have been that... It, it would have been... Honestly, for and, and again, this is going to change for everybody. For me, it would have been just scheduling and understanding your schedule. I think when you start a new business, there's this expectation that... Well, there there is an expectation that you have to create enough revenue to keep the business going. And so when you start a business... And when you start a business like me, I had no clients. I had nothing. Like when I started January 1st, it was like you starting from zero your wife doesn't have a job like anymore we're taking like this huge risk in the middle of a pandemic you're going to start your own business mm -hmm. to with zero 
clients with just a vision of what you want to do. And it was, and it was, well, I still haven't made a cold call. So I think I had one person message me to start or I had one project start or something like that. Like that's, that's your first client? But that was my first client or whatever that was. Yeah. How did that come in? I was actually through my, so my previous employer that, um, my previous employer out of Red Deer, he actually is the one who kind of encouraged me to start my own business. Mm -hmm. So this is something that I skipped over a little bit, but, um, he said, you know, Patrick, I think you need good business experience, but you're on the other, you need some, you know, you need to see the other end of the engineering side, which is great. You seem like a business entrepreneurial person Mm -hmm. and we want you to be a part of our business. Like he's, he's a solo engineer running his own company with seven drafters and two admin staff. He's a very busy guy. He also farms like 16 sections of land and has pig barns and dairy barns. And, and so he's, he's like the, like, how do you live? How do you do this? Yeah. You're insane. Uh, he's just one of those people. And you know, financially, he's obviously very well off, but he wants out. He says, I don't want to be engineering in five years. I'm retiring and I need somebody to, you know, I want somebody to take care of my employees and stuff when I leave. I don't want to put five, six, seven, eight people out of jobs, right? When I go to leave. <clears throat> so he said, but I need somebody that's going to, you know, take over this. Cause I don't know who to, I don't know. And I like you and I will think that you're the right person for this, but you're in Manitoba and you're not moving out here anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So he said, why don't you go start your own business? I'll support you. Like if you, you know, if you're running out of business or whatever, like, you know, I'll throw you jobs and stuff like that to keep you afloat if you need it. Yeah. But you, you go do your own thing. You know, you have your trials, you figure out the, you know, how you want to run things and your vision. And then, you know, at the end of every year, we'll chat and talk about plan and vision and everything. So he's, he's my mentor. Like, he's my mentor. He's my guy. But he, uh, and I haven't, I haven't given him enough credit on here, but, um, but he said, you know, okay, and then in three, or, three to five years, let's hire somebody that you want to train that can work out there with me. And then maybe, you know, at the time, and they do 10 mil revenue a year in engineering fees. So, like, they, they do very well. Mm-hmm. But... Um, We'll hire somebody out there that, you know, I can train and you can train on your systems and then we'll amalgamate maybe at the end in the five year and Kairos Engineering will take, will buy out Richard's consulting mm-hmm. uh, in the end. And that, that's kind of like the long short term plan right now is see where that goes. Mm-hmm. And that would be a great expansion across Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, which I'm licensed in. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the original question again? <laughs> what well, was one thing I learned? Right. So then, so where I got going... Um, so this thing of scheduling, so, and really coming from, you know, I, I knew I had a little bit of security with that, yeah. but at the same time I was starting with nothing. So he passed me my first job uh, and said, here, do this for a little bit. And then I ended up getting some people, some interest and, you know, I should have just called a few people, but I don't know, stubborn or something. Um, but no, so then got to the point where, you know, I started to get busy, but it just, it just happened really fast. And I thought if I could have an awareness of how much time things take and, and not just like how long does it take to, to, but like to actually do a finished product. Like, Oh, I could do that in a couple of days, but it actually takes seven. Mm-hmm. Well, there goes four days of schedule that everybody else for the entire year is backed up now because yep. everything depends on me or I got to work more time. Yep. And I think that the thing, the thing that I wish I knew more was how to be more aware of how much time things take, mm-hmm. but then, uh, and, and how long, things take when done to a higher level of quality because mm-hmm. i mean it's very easy to slap some lines on paper and say you know buy a contractor <laughs> but it's very difficult to actually figure out how the system's actually going to work and run the numbers and go through it yep. and make sure that what you're doing is not you know negligence but it's a quality product and then having a schedule of some kind 
a whiteboard or something that's a little bit flexible that you can actually write in this day I'm doing this, this day, and, and like three months out. So right now when people are calling me, I'm saying, okay, I'm booking into March of 2022. That's when you need to, that's when you need to expect that I'll be able to start working on this. And that's not for you, Dan. You're, you're special. <laughs> I'll work I'm, those long I'm ready <laughs> on the <Yeah>. cancel button. <laughs> but, um, but no, and it, it's just an awareness of how much time things actually take and putting that into practice with a schedule so that when somebody calls you, you can be honest and set clear expectations of what they should expect. Yep. As that's, and I've had to make a few phone calls where it's I had... client experience. It is the client experience. It right. absolutely is. And it's, it's just customer service and engineers aren't good at customer service. So how do you create a good customer experience? But it, uh, like I had a couple of clients came to me in June that said, you know, we're thinking about selling our house. We want to build a house. We're thinking about, you know, buying, building the cottage at the same time. Got a little, you know, change to throw around here. We want to get started on the design. You know, we're thinking about two years down the road we want to build, but we want to get our plans done now. Oh, awesome. We'd love to help you out with that. I'm not that busy. It's perfect. Five other jobs come in. Hey, I want to start construction next week. No offense, Dan. You were that person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hey, fair. hey, yeah. I, want to, I want to start construction next week. None taken. Yeah. And I got like a couple of projects right now. And then I had another person say, hey, I want to start construction before snow flies or whatever. And I <clears> just <throat> sent them their plans yesterday. Yeah. But but it wasn't like, a, and they they were very good about it. And I was very honest with them. I said, hey, I'm just letting <laughs> you know, I had some other projects come up that have construction starting right away. I have to push your project until, you know, the first week of November. I'm really sorry. I understand there's a delay there, but I had to, I have to make this call. Mm-hmm. Just have to. And, you know, if your project was in construction, I hope that you'd understand that I would be there for you if it was in construction versus for the person who's two years out. Yep. And, and I think I was tried to be very clear with that, but mm-hmm. that to me that hurts because that's not what I want to provide my clients. Right. And I'm not going to go and ask them for a five-star Google review when I'm done. Number one, you can't, but, but number two, that's like, that's not, I don't expect them to give me a five-star review. I don't think I delivered a five-star service. And so yet, yet, I mean, maybe like when we get there, like, right. I, I, I think that one of the big things is you're telling them the truth. That's Which huge. doesn't happen often. No, it doesn't. And right. that, and I've also found that it's like, well, and I had, I just called somebody the other day and said, Hey, I'm going to be two days late on this. And they're like, you're calling me to tell me it's going to be late. We just expect it's going to be late. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is going to be starting a business is going to be very easy in this industry. <laughs> That's exactly how I looked at it. Yeah. Was coming into the building industry with the builders that we have mm-hmm. in our industry. Mm-hmm. Like all I have to do is, well, be good. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, I just have to tell the truth. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. That's, just tell people the truth. Now there's a there's a way to tell people the truth when yeah. you track the emotional journey of a client. <laughs> yeah. Right. You don't want to tell them certain. You don't want to drop bombs on them at certain times. Mm-hmm. But you know the transparency. It's why we're we're a cost plus builder. Yeah. Is because it's way. E- it's not just easier, but. I think from a from a perspective of uh, being empathetic with with people as far as being able to be transparent about everything. Yeah, yeah. and and I've and this is rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> this is like I, I we'll have, save that rabbit hole for another time. Th- this is a short rabbit hole. Okay, I'm okay, in. short short rabbit hole. There's so many people that say, 
I built with this building company because they said it was going to be $200 a square foot, whatever, whatever it was. It doesn't matter. Whatever that means. And then, yeah, yeah, whatever it means. So then, but like when I went to say I wanted that faucet, it, they removed a $24 credit off my account and they added a $350 cost mm-hmm. and they just weren't transparent with what the level of finishes was in this house. Yeah. And so, and I think there are, I think the industry's moving. They need, they need transparency. The expectation has to be transparency. That has to be grand zero mm-hmm. for comparing apples to apples across all builders. Yeah. That, that, that's my wrap. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the one thing, yeah, small. So the one thing that I did learn uh, that I wish I would have known in when I started my company in January is having a fixed schedule, understanding how much time things actually take to produce mm-hmm. quality yeah. and accounting for that and being honest and transparent up front with that with the clients and then letting them make the decision. Beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Um, uh, you know, I think that uh, <laughs> I would love to talk to you much longer, uh, but you know, we won't today. Um, but I do want to just tell you, and, and if you already don't know how much I respect you and how much um, I appreciate you being part of our team Thank and you. working with us, um, but also, you know, honoring your decision to, to grow. Uh, you know, your family's lucky to have you, your kids are lucky, your wife is lucky, and you're, you're making it so that everyone that's following you on social media is lucky because we know that we are, we're hearing what you know to be the truth and, and being transparent about it and educating. And I think that if, uh, if more engineers and more business owners were, were like you, uh, things would be a lot easier. Um, but I just, I, I want you to know that and you're on the right track and it's it's uh, an honor to know you thank you very much yeah, i appreciate that and thank you for having me on the podcast it's been a pleasure my first one so it's been good. Yes. hopefully i didn't nerve myself yes. out here no, you crushed it nice yeah okay thanks so much, thanks so much.